Then they acknowledged Solomon, son of David, as king a second time, anointing him before the Lord to be ruler and Zadok to be priest. So Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king in place of his father David. He prospered and all Israel obeyed him. Midday greetings. Hello, everybody. My name is Zadok, and I am a priest. Well, I came from 970 BC, and somehow I interstellar into AD 2020. Now, for those of you who don't know who I am, that's fine. It's okay. Maybe you're more familiar with Pastor Joey. I'm sure, hopefully, he will come back to the stage later to close the service for all of us. Now, I just want to let you know that in the week that I was here, I've been here for about a week, I was searching out and reading your national archives, or what you will call Straits Times, right? And I realized that your nation is going through a pretty big pandemic. Am I right to say that? Is that true? I don't know about you, but maybe the ones at Bukit Batok, you may understand this a little bit better. Or maybe the ones who are watching it online, you can understand what I am talking about because your national papers tell me that you are going through a pretty big pandemic. But we are about to emerge out of this pandemic. And in two days, we will be entering phase three. I have no idea what that means, but I think it is a phase where we will have more freedom. Am I right to say that? You guys can actually respond to me. It's okay so long as you're not singing. It's okay. Am I right to say that? Yes. You know, it is so wonderful to have responses because back where I am as a priest, I always get people to respond to me as well. And not just that, but it seems like your nation has taken a national consensus that now about 70% of you have, whatever this means, a trace together token. I think it's wonderful that we are in this particular stage. And you know, I was just going through your holy scriptures. It is a little bit thicker than the one that I use because the one that I use just contains the Pentateuch. You know, the first five books of the Bible, but it seems like yours is a lot thicker from what I use, and you know, in the week that I was here, I was so hungry about the Word of God that I went to read the entire Bible from the end of the Pentateuch all the way to Revelation. And let me tell you, it was an emotional roller coaster for me. For starters, I died. I found out that I died. But the sad thing is, nobody wrote down when I died, or how I died, or where I died. But more than that, I also found out that there were a whole bunch of prophets who were speaking on behalf of God to the United Kingdom. You know, the kingdom that Saul began with, and it went on to David, and it went to Solomon. And despite all the prophecies, the kingdom still divided. My people, my people, they were exiled into all places, Babylon. And you know what is even scarier? As I move from the First Testament to the Second Testament, from Malachi to Matthew, I read that there is this man called Jesus. Apparently, he is a descendant of King David. And he came down to earth. He was born so helplessly. He lived life so intentionally. But he died so tragically. He died so 
tragically. This man who was so attuned to God, he died so tragically. But the wonderful thing, as I read it, and I got tears in my eyes when I read it, he rose again so triumphantly. And because of this, his followers, including this guy called Paul, I don't know whether you've read about him, he started to spread the message of Jesus all over the world. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, then that makes you and I same, same, but slightly different. Because I tell you, I am a follower of King David. And whoever, whoever came from King David, that is the promised one in the scriptures that I read. He is the promised one. I want to worship this Jesus that came from King David. But since I'm here, let me tell you a little bit more about myself. I think we have quite a fair bit in common. Now, you see, as I read your uh, national archives, you know, your, your national chronicles, your Straits Times, I realized that there were three important words this year. The first word is the word resilience. I don't know about you, but uh, when I think about the word resilience, I, I can just tell you that it was far worse in the past especially just before Solomon took over from David. It was really, really bad. You know, you learned resilience in 2020. Your church, it got tough and it recovered quickly from the pandemic difficulties, but it kind of reminds me of like when David was about to, to find out that Absalom, his third son, was planning a conspiracy to usurp his throne. Oh, it threw the whole nation into a mess. But because of that, it was, it was an amazing time for Israel to come together to be resilient and to really go through that national disarray. The second thing that I read in your papers is this word called fortitude, right? Uh, I mean, I, I, don't know who, uh, I don't know who is the one who has been telling you about this fortitude budget, right? But let me tell you that in my time, we also had to experience fortitude. Maybe you and your family, you overcame lots of discomfort, you went through lots of difficulties, and you overcame it. And can I just tell you that for me, back in where I was, I learned fortitude as well. It was far worse from Abia, for Abiathar and I because we had to be brave to carry the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem to act as spies for David during this particular time. And the third thing that I would imagine that all of you have gone through is that you learned this word called solidarity. 2020 was all about solidarity for you and I and despite the, the difference in opinion on how to deal with a pandemic, it seems like your nation rallied together to deal with a particular virus. I remember in the years just before Solomon was about to take over, the, the, the nation really united together again and I was there, Zadok, I was there when Solomon was anointed as king. I had the opportunity, the great privilege to actually anoint him as king. But you see, this message is not about me. I've got far better things to talk about. I happen to be a priest that was around for both David's time and Solomon's time, which gives me that awesome privilege of comparing these two kings. Are you all familiar with David and Solomon? It seems like your Bible says a lot of things about them because they are, they are actually same, same, but different, you know? Like, for example, some of the things that they are similar about is that they actually wrote parts of the First Testament, right? David and Solomon, they wrote parts of the First Testament, and in the Second Testament, it seems like the authors keep mentioning them. 
And this Jesus also kept mentioning them, uh, David and Solomon. But, but there was one main difference. Between David and Solomon, there was only one of them who finished well. You know, I remember my father, uh, he took he told me about how difficult it was when Saul was about to pass over to David and how difficult Saul made life for David. And I remember also that, that when David was reigning, oh man, he started with mistakes. But every single time, David would recover from his mistakes because of who he is. And then, of course, I watched the little boy Solomon. You know, he is the second son of Bathsheba. Do, do you all know about this woman called Bathsheba? Can I just tell you, she's a tiger mom. She, she's, a, she's a real tiger mom. I don't know whether you, you guys understand that term or whether that term from AD uh, 970 has uh, emerged to, eight, uh, sorry, BC 70 has emerged to AD 2020. Maybe some of you, you understand this term called tiger mom because Bathsheba was a tiger mom. And I saw Solomon grow up in the palace. I watched the two of them reign as king. So, I just have four observations to share with you. Four observations to share with you in the way they run their race, in the way they finish well. And I pray for, with all of my heart that you will catch what the two kings did not catch or you will catch what the two kings already caught. So I want to tell you four things about the two kings before your pastor returns. The first observation that I have as I watch David and Solomon was that number one, preparation seems to be the difference maker. You know, before David was king, he was actually running almost like a fugitive. Are you familiar that um, before he ascended the throne, there was this man called Saul. And David was actually a person, was like a shepherd boy. And he was someone who was nowhere looking like a king. And so when God told uh, Nathan to anoint David as king, Saul got very insecure. And when Saul got very insecure, Saul went to chase David. And so David, before he was king, he had a season of preparation in the wilderness. Saul hunted him down in the forest. David had to hike in the wilderness. Saul was held up in the mountains. Or David was held up in the mountains. And before he was king, he was actually going through a season of preparation. It was hostile. It was harsh. It was a terrible environment in the wilderness, but David really emerged out of that. Now, maybe for some of you here, it's difficult for you to understand what the wilderness of Sinai feels like because you can't even go a day without this thing called Wi-Fi, right? But Saul or David, he had to survive the wilderness of Mount of, of, of Sinai, okay? And I believe that in his time in the wilderness, it prepared him to be a king. Now you see, my friends, one of the things that I learned from David before he became king was that he could handle the glory because he could first handle the pain. Now for some of you here, if you desire to experience the glory of God, you must be willing to embrace the pain of preparation. David, he could enjoy the splendor of the palace because he first endured the severity of the wilderness. And so for David, he went through a season of preparation that perhaps Solomon didn't. But some of you might be thinking, hey, Zadok, Solomon, it's not his fault that he was born into royalty. 
It's not as if like, oh, I'm going to volunteer myself, I'm going to go into the wilderness, and I want to prepare myself like, or like uh, uh, David did. Solomon was just born into poverty, uh, born into um, royalty, and I think, therefore, Solomon would struggle a little bit on what it means to be hunted down by Saul, to hide away in caves, to be held up in forests, and to hike in the wilderness, running for your life. And being born into royalty will result in totally different kinds of childhood. I was there when David first articulated his desire for Solomon to become king. Now, you see what happened was that David's fourth son, Adonijah, okay? Uh, it's a very cool name, right? Adonijah. He, after seeing that Absalom had failed to take over the throne, Adonijah wanted to take over the, 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 the kingship. You know, he wanted to be king after David, and David was really old. I was there at that scene. I remember Bathsheba came storming into the palace, and he looked at poor old David, who was about to die, and he says, David, 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 did you not promise me that Solomon would be king? Why is it that this Adonijah is now being king? And you know, David, being a very old man, he was very weak. And he kind of like gave in to Bathsheba again. I don't know about you, but does that story sound a little bit familiar? Because I think he gave in to Bathsheba the first time, right? And so you can see or you can read for yourself that actually because of a tiger mom coming in, engineering Solomon to become king, Solomon did actually become king. And just like that, he became the crown prince. So it doesn't matter whether you've had a very privileged upbringing like Solomon or whether you had a very rough upbringing like David. Can I just tell you that there is something that doesn't change? You are responsible for every single good decision you've ever made. Every single one of them. Whether you come from a privileged upbringing or whether you come from a rough upbringing, you are also the one participating in every single bad decision that you've ever made. As we arrive at the end of 2020, I think one of the most important things for us to do, whether you're watching online, or whether you're at Bukit Bato, or whether you're at Tanglin, is for you to do a self-examination. You should ask yourself, have you grown closer to our living God this year? Have you grown more in love with God's Word? Because that's something that I ask David and Solomon all the time. And can I just tell you that if David and Solomon if you had met them, they would tell you that they reflect all the time. How do I know this? I know this because I interact with them, but I also know this because I have read David's spiritual journals. He's read so many of it. In fact, he wrote 150 chapters of his spiritual journals. And for Solomon, he also reflected a lot. And he wrote 31 chapters of his own reflections of wisdom sayings. So why am I saying to you, if we want to finish well, if we want to really restart well, then the first thing that we have to do is that we have to embrace our season of preparation. 2020 may have been a very tough year for all of you. Some of you are studying, I think. Some of you who have just started work. Some of you are struggling to find work. We have five days left in 2020. My encouragement to you is don't waste the remaining five days. Use it well, finish 2020 well, and use the remainder of 2020 to position yourself for a restart. Learn from the kings. David, he had a preparation period and he used it well for the future that God has in store for him. 
your preparation period will make the difference in how you finish this race or how you restart the race next year. That's what I want to share with you from how I observe between David and Solomon. The second thing that I want to share with you is that prayer makes a lasting difference. Prayer, it makes a lasting difference. You know, uh, as I watch Solomon and David, as I watch the two of them reign as king, I see that the two of them do pray. But you know, for one king, prayer felt like an obligation. And for the other king, prayer was really a way of life for him. So what is prayer to you? Is prayer an obligation? Or is prayer a way of life to you? Because how Solomon and David, how they approach prayer is set them apart. And how you approach prayer will set you apart. You know, I'm a priest, right? And so part of my work is that I'm always at the altar. I'm always representing God to the people and I represent the people to God. And people will come to the temple and they will bring their offerings. And so let me tell you, you know, trade secret, because I'm a priest, I know the regulars at the temple. And let me tell you about one regular. He's the king. David was a regular at the temple. He was always at the temple and he was always repenting for his sins. I know that because I hear him pray. Every time he's worshipping God, he is always repenting. And maybe you have access to his prayer journals as well. You will also know how far he would repent. It is no wonder that David, well, he will self-declare himself as a man of prayer. David will call himself a man of prayer. And I think I can back that up because I see him at the temple praying all the time. Solomon, on the other hand, I mean, you guys know that he built the temple, right? But you know, the only time, or I, I think, I saw him there. And when he was building the temple, wow, fire came down. The glory of God filled the temple. It was a pretty incredible sight. But you know, after that, I don't recall seeing him at a temple that often. He prayed for that one momentous occasion, and then after that, he didn't pray that much anymore. When I read the rest of your scriptures, the expanded version of what I have, it seems to confirm my observation that Solomon doesn't pray much. I'm a priest. I serve a man of prayer. I think I know a thing or two about prayer. Prayer keeps us humble. It reminds us of God's power. Prayer, it strengthens our spirit, man. Prayers tells us, it reminds us that God listens and God cares. And prayer tells us that God is in control. You know, I can go on and on about the benefits of prayer, but I don't want you to miss the main point of why we are to have prayer as a way of life. Because prayer keeps us coming back to God and to help us to do what God wants us to do. You know, I'm a priest. As a Jewish priest, I pray in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. And I think I pray a little bit more than that. You know, in the time that I was with Pastor Joey, he also prays a lot. He prays in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. And he always seems to pray the same prayer just before he eats. I don't know why, but I hope you guys pray more than Pastor Joey. You can't just be praying a 30-second prayer just before you eat something. Prayer is a way of life. But, but, but don't tell him I, I said this, okay? Anyway, I hope you hear my heart. I pray that you will pray more often like David and not just 
when you come to church. And not just when there is a big event. And not just when there's a thanksgiving. No. I pray that you will cultivate a lifestyle of prayer. David was always praying. You know, a phrase that we royal officials use to describe David is this phrase, a man after God's own heart. It's what Samuel said. It is what Samuel said about David when he was rebuking Saul. And your second testament also captures this phrase, a man after God's own heart. You know, whenever we hear and describe David like that, we are all inspired that there is a man who is after God's own heart. And so today, if you want to finish well, you want to finish this year well, I want to pray with you. I want to just encourage you and remind you that having a vibrant relationship, a vibrant personal relationship with God, that will help you to finish well. It is the best way for you to restart your race or it's the best way for you to finish. The third thing that I want to share with you from observing Solomon and David is that practice, practice makes the difference in preaching. You know, this is um, a very um, strange point that I want to bring to you because I am actually very puzzled by it. Now, you see, we are talking about a, a king, Solomon. All of you will know that Solomon is a very wise king. In fact, he, he, he has, I remember this particular time that he was at the temple or he was at the palace. He was saying to all of us, guard your heart above all things, for from it flows the issues of life. And when I heard it, or when all of us heard it, we were like, whoa, Solomon, King, king Solomon, that is real deep. But you know what's the puzzling thing for all of us? He said it, but he didn't do it. He said all these wise things, but I'm always looking out for Solomon and whether he will actually do it, that little boy I saw in the palace. But when he said, God, your heart, that was the very last thing he did. He did not guard his heart. You know, Solomon was always filled with meeting the who's who from every single nation. Everybody wanted to meet this Solomon. But can I just tell you that when I watch David live, I think David was the one who actually should have been the one everybody wanted to meet because David got it spot on. He got it nailed on. He understood what it means to practice what has been preached to him. You know, I remember that um, this particular axiom what was very difficult for us to, to remember, guard your heart. And when we saw Solomon not guarding his heart, we all struggled with it, you know. And, and as I read your, 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 your Second Testament, I learned that there is this half-brother of Jesus called James who wrote, who wrote a particular uh, 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 line that is very similar to what Solomon was saying. He says, don't just listen to God's word, but you have to do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. Don't just listen to God's word. You've got to do what it says. And I think James, he got it absolutely spot on. You know, can I just ask you to humor me a little bit, whether you're at home or whether you're on-site or whether you're at Bukit Batok, could you take out your mobile communication device or your personal communication device? And can I just get all of you to like turn on your camera or your image capturing function, okay? And I'd like you to go into this uh, mode that you know, Pastor Joe was telling me, your selfie mode. Okay, look at yourself. Take a look at yourself. And I want, okay, so I, I'm taking a look at myself. And I remember what King David said. He said that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't it true? 
And look at yourself. Look at that. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. But can I also just get you to do this and repeat after me? I want you to just uh, 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 repeat this after me. The person in the mirror is the hardest person to lead and the easiest person to fool. As you look at yourself, can you just say this after me? The person in the mirror is the hardest to lead and the easiest to fool. So, do you know that it is very difficult to lead yourself? It is very, very difficult to lead yourself because you are so easy to fool. The difference between a serious believer and a curious believer is in application. If you want to finish your race well, if you want to restart your race properly, you got to put in effort. You got to put in effort. You have to practice what the scripture preaches. You have to do what God says. And today, if you are a spiritual leader, let me tell you the plain truth. You cannot lead others well unless you lead yourself well. You cannot lead others well unless you lead yourself well. If you don't look after your priorities, how can you look after the people that has been assigned to you? Because the people who look at you, the people who look at you for leadership, they are not just looking at the lessons that come out from your mouth. No, they are looking at how you live your life. And so because of that, can I just tell you that Solomon, he preached more than he practiced, but David practiced more than he preached. And that was the difference between David and Solomon. So today, if there's something that you have to stop doing, stop doing it. If there's something that you have already, you know, been told by the Lord to start doing, start doing it. If there's something that's causing you to sin and to be in a way for, away from the presence of God, stop doing it. Don't wait until January 1st. No, do it tonight. Do it after the service. Do it tomorrow morning. Start immediately. If you want to finish well or restart your race, you must remember that practice makes the difference in preaching. And in the final point, on the final observation that I want to share with you, it is that pursuing God, I've seen this in King David's life, pursuing God in repentance makes you different. This is the one that sets David apart from Solomon. He really pursued God with everything that he had. You know, as a priest, I'll just tell you that this guy, I mentioned it just now already, he was very, very serious about pursuing God. And Solomon, yeah, he was responsible for building the temple over the seven-year period. <laughs> but after the seven years, yeah, he was around in the temple a lot during the seven-year period. But after the seven-year period, he actually didn't come a lot, if ever at all. You know, in the time that I was here, I, I learned this new thing called social media. And in social media, I saw this meme is this what you pronounce it as? Or is it Mimi? I don't know. Meme, right? And there's this meme called how it started and how it's going. Am I right? Yes? Am I right? How it started and how it's going. Can I just share with you how it started for David? This is how it started for David. He was being confronted by Nathan because he had sinned big time. And Nathan, in front of everyone, would say to David, you are the... Sorry, that was a power that I experienced just now. I cannot explain it. He, 
really saw that, that Nathan came and confronted David and said, you are the man who has sinned. And everyone was looking, how would King David respond? And you know how King David responded? He actually said, yes, I have sinned. That was how David started his kingship. And you know how David ended his kingship? David ended his kingship with wealth, with honour, with fame added to him, and he lived to a ripe old age as king. David didn't start that well, but David ended very well. Well, for Solomon, it was a totally different thing because for Solomon, he had a breathtaking beginning. In fact, he was asking God, God, or God was asking him, you know, Solomon, Solomon, ask me anything you want and I will give it to you. It's kind of like a blank check. And you know what Solomon said? Solomon gave the perfect response. Solomon said, give me wisdom. And God actually gave all of that to him. And God even said, because you asked for the right thing, I will also give you wealth, riches, and fame on top of wisdom. That was how Solomon started. And I was thinking to myself, wow, what an incredible beginning. But you know how it's going? Or you know how it ended? I just want to tell you that for Solomon, wow, he, he really, I mean, if he ever posts on social media, he should set everything to private or he should set everything to close friends only because he has nothing to boast about. You know, this guy, he disobeyed God, this king, he disobeyed God. He insisted on marrying foreign women and he even ended up worshipping their gods. How ironic that Solomon's father was a man after God's own heart, but he himself had his heart turned away from God. How will we finish? Tragically, Solomon was unfaithful to God. He did evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow God completely. Worse, Solomon, the great temple builder, also ended up building other temples for other gods. That's how Solomon finished. God appeared to him twice, but he still turned away from God. You know, as I look at Solomon's life, I realize that Solomon did not have a prophetic voice in his life. But David, he had prophets always around him. He had Gad, he had Samuel, he had Nathan always surrounding him. And because of that, David, he knew what it meant to constantly go back to God because these people are putting accountability into his life. And so today, I just want to share with you that David, he really embraced confrontations. He knew that these confrontations made him better, made him godlier. And my question to all of us today is then, do we have this system of accountability that David had? He had a repentant heart and he had a teachable spirit but he also had godly advisors to help him pursue God all the days of his life. I want to encourage you to be accountable to godly people. I understand that you have a system of what you call cell groups, and you have a system of discipleship groups, and you even have systems of mentoring sessions with your leaders. Can I just share that all these things will help you get in tune with God? All these things will help you stay on the right track with God. Why do we gather in groups? Why does David have Gad or Nathan or, or uh, Samuel in his life? So that these prophets can point out the, 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 the blind spots in his life. Solomon, on the other hand, was not in a community. And he gradually drifted away. Solomon's drift from God was gradual. But he drifted so far from God 
that Solomon resembled Saul more than he resembled David. So is it a coincidence that Solomon's reign ended in the same way as Saul, where the two of them had, what, what, the God, what, what God says, two of them had the kingdom torn away from them. I pray that that is not how we will finish our Christian walk. As you end 2020, if you are serious about your walk with God, you will do well to get yourself reconnected and recommitted to a small group. If you want to finish well or restart your walk with God, make sure you invite godly men and women who are spiritually ahead of you to guide you along. How you start is not as important as how you finish or how you restart. If you want to finish well, if you want to restart, remember to embrace a season of preparation. Make prayer a way of life. Practice what has been preached to you and pursue God in repentance. I talked to you about David, I talked to you about Samuel, but I want to bring to you something, someone that I thought was a greater example. I read your testament and I discovered that there is this person called Jesus. And it was this King Jesus who was the perfect example. Solomon and David, they were all flawed. And King, David, uh, and, uh, King Jesus is the one who taught us what it means to finish well because this guy, he encapsulated everything that I'm sharing with you today. King Jesus, he started off as a powerless infant, but he finished as a powerful saviour of the world. King David or King Jesus, he prepared for this human race by heading into the wilderness. And King Jesus, he seems to be praying all the time because he was so in tune with God. And King Jesus never stopped pursuing God's will and made that his life mission. So I just want to pray for all of you today and give you an opportunity to respond to the word. Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful, Lord, that we live in an era where we can learn from two kings, David and Solomon. But better than that, we can learn from King Jesus. We see the different mistakes that Solomon made. We saw the difference of what prayer could do what a season of preparation to, could, could do, what practicing the Word of God means, and what pursuing God in repentance is all about. And Heavenly Father, today we pray, Lord, that no matter what the year has been, whether it has been a rough one, whether it has been a great one, Father, we pray, O oh God, that we will finish the year well. We will finish the year well with the remaining five days that we have and we will look towards pursuing you all the days of our lives. And so, Father, I want to pray, Lord, for everyone here who feels like they are not going to finish this year well. Father, I pray, Lord, that you speak to them. You will give them strength. You will give them everything they need, O oh God, to finish the year well. But more than that, Lord, 
I pray that you give them the conviction to restart next year wanting to pursue you. Wanting to pray and be in alignment with you. Wanting to do what God's Word says. So Father, we thank you so much that we can learn, that we can arrive at the end of this year, that we have an opportunity to restart. So we thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord. Use us, Lord. Be patient with us, Lord. And give us everything that we need, Lord, to finish and to restart. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I'm going to pass the time back to Pastor John.